from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio, provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano, along with my co-host, Gina No, And I think we've got a good show for you today. Gina, are you there? I am here, Gina, by phone. Gina is in, um, I don't want to say you're in quarantine, but you're... I uh, am in quarantine. Quarantine, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. I'm giving that virus a chance to not be spread. How about that? She's in timeout. I'm in timeout. You're in timeout. That's right. And I, just so the listeners know, I've washed my hands, Clorox the phone, and the keyboard on the computer, pen, and my highlighter, so we're ready to go. Good, good. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Where did we leave off last time, Gina? <laughs> it's been quite a while <laughs> since we since we last met here at Faith on Trial, but surprisingly, in the year and a half we've been off the air, some of these uh, issues still have not been resolved. And there's some new ones that have come up. Absolutely. Yeah, It'll yeah. be good to share. And we're going to talk about some of them here. Do you have a prayer to open us up with? I do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred and fear. Strengthen us in hope, and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. should remind everybody that we have a, uh, a, a question or text line. It's uh, 515-223-1150. If you have a question or comment, uh, just text it in or call it in, and I will try and figure out how to open it up when it gets on this end of the line. Well, I think we've got an interesting program for today. First, we're going to talk uh, about the Little Sisters of the Poor and get some updates on what's going on with them. If you think that uh, it was all over for the Little Sisters once they won in the Supreme Court a couple of years ago, you're wrong. They're back in court now, and uh, we're going to bring you up to date on that. And then after that, we're going to talk uh, with an attorney who is suing the Madison, Wisconsin School District for allowing students to transgender during school hours. And of course, uh, don't tell your parents about this. And finally, we're going to have a report on, and this is what you're going to probably need the antacids for, uh, Drag Queen Story Hour. Yes, it's happening, and it's happening all over. In libraries across the country. That's right. That's right. And Gina, as a mother of two girls, I'm sure this uh, warms your heart a little bit. Yes, I don't think we'll be attending those. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's uh, bring everybody up to date a little bit on what's been going on with us uh, during the last uh, year and a half, or I think it was a little longer than that, more like two years. Almost any, two years, yeah, yes. Yeah, something like that. So uh, uh, everybody's situation's changed a little bit. You... Uh, I don't want to say you got rid of a daughter, but you uh, dropped one off in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) One, uh, yeah, she spread her wings, and she is in Florida attending school, trying to learn how to online learn. 
So we'll see how that works out. Okay, she's still down in Florida right now. She is. Um, she's very nervous about this online learning, so she opted to stay in her apartment, promised to stay there, and have the support of her roommates uh, through this online learning. Well, everything's a day at a time for all of us across mm-hmm. the nation. And um, you were and you were just down there the other week. Uh. Right. We had. Um, we had gone to visit her for spring break, and which is a great place to visit for spring break, and um, had intended to bring her home with us, but it didn't quite work out that way. She convinced me otherwise, so we have her there. You know, we start each day with a prayer, and we're thankful for all of the blessings that we have, and we hope that we're protected. Um, so thank God for our faith. That's all I have to say. That's, yeah. that's helping us through this. Yeah, and that's uh, that's an important part of what we're going through. A lot of people are unfortunately taking this uh, health crisis as a crisis of faith, and it shouldn't be. This would be the time when our faith gets, uh, gets even stronger. And, uh, you know, this is, this, is, uh, this is what we've been told in Scripture. Uh, I'll tell you what, I've never had time for daily Mass, or I've never made time for daily Mass. And I uh, shout out to Father PJ over at Christ the King. I am enjoying these 8.30. I start my day with a cup of coffee and Father PJ doing and attending Mass. And, you know, I'd always heard about the spiritual communion, it has had a whole new meaning for me, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm, I, I'm really thankful for this time to grow in faith. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, watching TV the other day, and Luann uh, usually uh, reads a lot of time while I'm watching TV, uh, and, and so seeing her nose down into something didn't bother me at all. And then all of a sudden, after a while, she looks up and she says, and peace be with you. <laughs> she, was, she was watching a Mass at the Sacred Heart. And uh, so she oh, was, on her phone. Yeah, her on her Kindle. phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, uh, that's interesting. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity. Well, we've been told, uh, you know, uh, turn our our face toward God and um, uh, ask forgiveness for our sins, and He will look on us and smile and cure our land. And that's uh, that's what we're hoping happens now. We um, pray for that, sure. Yeah, and of course uh, the the problem uh, that. <laughs> I'm having is I'm used to being there at the altar uh, when mass is being said, and I've been off the altar now for a while, and uh, it's difficult. Uh, I'm supposed to be taking communion out to the homebound and to the uh, people in the hospitals uh, and nursing homes, but of course all of that has been nixed right now. So I think the best we can do is perhaps get some phone numbers and call people that might be sick and try and talk to them. A lot of people I'm sure out there. Are are very lonely, and uh, and they'd like to hear from us. You know, we're all being given a chance to um, sacrificially share our love with each other by not connecting, mm-hmm. um, starving that that virus so that it will die out. And um, I'm hoping that no one is injured or or hurt by this isolation and an effort. Right. Some of the people we really have to pray for are the uh, health care workers, uh, nurses and aides and doctors and hospitals and uh, clinics around the country that are dealing with this every day. And some of them are, uh, are endangering or at least putting their, their health in danger by uh, doing what they're doing. And we've seen reports of some health care workers uh, getting ill uh, with this virus. So we want to especially keep those people 
in our prayers. And then all the other people that uh, have to get out and do something, all the uh, first responders, the police officers, the firemen, uh, all those people that have to get out. And really, uh, you know, some of those jobs have been dangerous to begin with, and now they're even more dangerous because you just don't quite know what you're going to run up against uh, even when you're you're going to the scene of an accident to help somebody out. So I want to want to remember all those people in our prayers. Exactly. And, you know, this is faith on trial, so I do want to mention that the courts have had to have uh, a shift in the way they operate. Um, they're doing cases on emergency basis only, a lot of judges from their homes on phones, you yeah. know, um, nothing with, a, obviously, a, a jury. That's more than 10 people, right, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the Supreme Court took um, a step of delaying more than a dozen cases, delayed scheduled for March and April. Yeah, there are special orders out from the Supreme Court about what to delay and what not to delay, and I know I had a a court hearing scheduled for Monday morning uh, that was canceled Monday morning, (laughs) and and I think the the judge there uh, was kind of like you, in quarantine or in timeout or whatever, uh, waiting uh, for his uh, 14 days to expire. So it's interrupting a lot of uh, a lot of court activity. It's also interrupting a lot of legal activity too, because it's difficult for uh, lawyers to uh, deal with their clients and to meet with clients during exactly. this time too. As a matter of fact, the bar association just had a uh, an online seminar about that uh, the other day. How we can get around some of those things. Well, and those that are incarcerated that want to go back to their families, they can't meet with judges to you know. Um, invoke the process to to be released and you know those that's a special kind of awfulness for them yeah i have a, a, a speaking of incarceration i have a guy that was uh, uh we're doing rcia with him and uh, he was picked up uh, on a probation violation minor thing but uh, he's uh, in one of the correctional facilities and he was planning we'd made arrangements for him to complete his rcia program there but now the deacon and the priest can't get in to see him so that's kind of on hold, and um, uh, well, so we'll see what happens here. Yep. So, so those are some changes that will affect some of the things we talk about today yeah. and, uh, and in the future. It certainly will, especially when we talk about this Madison School thing. Schools are probably closed up there, so a lot of this isn't going to make a whole lot of difference right now, except for the precedent that it's going to set. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm hoping to ask the attorney how this is going to work with these students who are now with their parents yeah. all day, every day, <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> that they're being told to keep secrets from. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the problem with the keeping secrets from the parents, uh, all you need is uh, one student to tell their parents something, you got a lawsuit now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Any time you're told, don't tell your parents... Um, that's uh, there's a problem. There's a problem there. There's, there's a problem absolutely there. Absolutely, okay. there are a couple other things that are going on uh, that might uh, uh, make you aware of. First of all, the California Teachers Association has changed its policy, uh, allowing students there to receive birth control and sex change hormones without parental permission. Um, I find this story very interesting. I had to dig into it a little bit because the schools in California are beginning to um, add. Some of the districts are being allowed to add uh, health care clinics right in their schools, which at first blush is a very good idea, right? right. Very convenient for the parents and um, funded with Title X funds and uh, some state support. Um, but they're taking it a step too far. And I looked at the board members of this initiative, and, of course, there's, there have abortion clinics all over 
family planning clinics all over the Oh, sure. Abortion is part board. of health care, remember? That's, That's right. They say. Yeah. And so now they're um, in these clinics. They've been around since uh, 2013, 2014. But more recently now, they've decided to add things like, you know, give the kids the birth control without the consent of the parents or... Now they're moving towards hormone sex change therapy with mm-hmm. the students without the parents knowing. I think I'd be a little alarmed if um, it, chemicals were being introduced into my um, child without my knowledge or permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a lot of uh, literature on that now, and, and it is starting uh, a, a national debate on that. Uh, here's what the Teachers Association says. Uh, CTA believes comprehensive school-based Healthcare clinics are needed to bring caring and responsive services to young people. The clinic shall provide cisgender, transgender, and non-binary youth equal and confidential access to decision-making rights for students and their families. Um, wonder how often they bring the families into those things. But uh, Notice how they didn't specifically mention hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. But it definitely is included in the uh, final goal of the policy. It certainly is. It certainly is. So we'll bring that story. We'll follow it. It just started. Uh, it's, it's a, um, a, is it a bill that, no, it's the association changed their policy. So mm-hmm. just last month, mm-hmm. so in, in February of this year, I imagine that'll trigger some legal battles. Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. And, um. Uh, there are probably other school districts or other teachers associations outside of California that are going to want to do the same thing. So we'll take a look. There's a, another thing that came across my desk here. There, as a matter of fact, I, I wrote an article uh, for The Wander, uh, my column. I don't know what week it appeared, but it's about this issue. And that was uh, there is a apparently an attempted ban in California on putting um, separate sections in stores for boys toys and girls toys and for boys clothing and girls clothing uh you'd face uh, a, a department store or something who would face an a thousand dollar fine if they uh, didn't combine those things in other words you won't be able to go into the store and go to the girls section to uh, get stuff for your little girl go to the boys section to find toys for your boys wow yeah uh this bill that was introduced um in the last 30 days, uh, yeah, invokes a fine of $1,000 for a store that doesn't follow its guidelines. But it's just legislation. I'm sure it will continue to be grow and have some amendments, and who knows if the California legislature will approve it. My guess is they will. That, that's kind of the way it works out there. I don't see the bias in having separate departments for boys or for girls. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier as a parent. I mean, it, the stores are so big already, it's hard to find things, and won't it be even more confusing when they mix it all together it and don't identify will be. it? It certainly will be. Okay, we're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Little Sisters of the Poor and support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial is provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Inter- Im- Ingredients. I know these people. I ought to be able to get this out. Uh, Imogene ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. We'll be back in two minutes.
Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation today. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q. Quick Print for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall, online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Are you suffering emotionally or spiritually after an abortion? At Intervisions Healthcare, we believe you deserve healing, forgiveness, and support. We've found that there are no quick fixes, but meeting with others who share the same pain can be a good start. To learn more about this healing ministry, call Intervisions at 515-440-2273, 515-440-2273, and ask for a nurse. Intervisions Healthcare, it's a safe and confidential place to begin the healing you deserve. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Good morning, Deacon Mike Mano, Faith on Trial, and I'm back here now with uh, Attorney Diane Verm from the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Diane, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Mike. Thanks v- for having me on. Oh, happy to have you. Glad you okay. can make time out of your day to join us here. Uh, you know, we thought a, a year or so ago, a couple, maybe it was two years ago, that the Little Sisters of the Poor were out of the weeds after their Supreme Court victory, but that didn't turn out to be the case. That's right. So in 2016, uh, the Little Sisters went to the Supreme Court after their uh, ministry was threatened by the federal government uh, in a with a mandate that would have forced them to provide abortion drugs in their employee health care plans or pay millions of dollars in fines. Um, the Supreme Court protected them from those fines and told the government to find a solution that would respect the Little Sisters' beliefs. Uh, the government did that. It issued a religious exemption, 
but now the Little Sisters are back in court. They're back at the Supreme Court defending their exemption uh, from the state of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, those states are arguing against the Little Sisters' religious exemption, despite our country's rich history of accommodating religious objectors. And as I recall, the uh, Little Sisters had to intervene in that case, didn't they? That's right. It's, a, it's sort of a crazy situation when you uh, have states suing the federal government telling the federal government that they have to force nuns to provide contraceptives to their employees, um, but that's where we are right now. Okay. So the Little Sisters intervened in that case after the state sued the federal government. Okay, now I think, was California not involved in that too? There, yes. So New, Jer- uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania brought one lawsuit, California and a, and a bunch of other states brought another lawsuit, so Cal- the California case is ongoing. Uh, that one's also uh, waiting at the Supreme Court for, for this case to go on. And uh, one, I think, had a nationwide injunction, and one had a just a that's right circuit injunction. That's right. In this case, that's at the Supreme Court now from Pennsylvania. Uh, the district court entered a nationwide injunction that was upheld at the appellate level. Uh, so that means that uh, the the government is being told you can't enforce this rule, you can't enforce the religious exemption anywhere in the country. Uh, but they also have all these uh, cases across the country protecting religious organizations from all the from all the lawsuits that religious organizations brought to protect their religious liberty uh, back when the mandate okay. uh, was enforced. Now, this has been uh, applied, uh, appealed back to the Supreme Court, correct? That's right. That's right. So the Little Sisters are back at the Supreme Court. Uh, the court is going to hear the case on April 29th. Okay. Uh, and, Assuming uh, we're all out of quarantine by then. That's right. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> it's, still, it's still on the, it's still on the uh, calendar, but we know to prepare for... For anything right now. Now, my co-host Gina is uh, is good morning. In, yeah, in quarantine, <laughs> so she may pop in with a question here. Go ahead, Gina. Well, uh, uh, you know, the Little Sisters have been fighting for um, quite a while on very many levels. How does that um, affect us? How do these cases affect us as Americans, as women in corporate America? Right. So um, this, I mean, right now uh, the. This case isn't just about Catholic nuns and the contraceptive mandate. It's the Little Sisters are fighting to preserve accommodations for all Americans. Uh, the states have argued that the government doesn't have the authority to issue a religious exemption. So if the government can force nuns to provide contraceptives, uh, what can they do to, uh, any, you know, to anyone? Uh, or any employee of any organization or any, um, any employer, um, our Constitution doesn't require the government to punish re- religious sisters or anyone for living out their faith. Uh, and this is a chance for the court to uphold the time-honored tradition of uh, honoring religious exemptions. Also, uh, President Trump issued an executive order about three years ago, mm-hmm. and it made it sound like they were that order was um, a victory for the Little Sisters of the Poor and the, and the HHS mandates. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain how that's been implemented and what the effect of that order was? Sure. So the the Trump administration came in, they issued, a, uh, they issued the executive order, uh, and the religious exemption was the result of that order. So after the, after the executive order, uh, the government then exempted the Little Sisters, and that's, that's what's been challenged, the, okay. is the government's ability to even exempt the religious. So that's the uh, newest battle that's in the Supreme Court right now, that executive exactly. order. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Now, and what are our chances? Does it look good for um, the Little Sisters in winning yet another step at the Supreme Court? I do think that the um, I do think that the court will take this opportunity to rule in favor of the little sisters. I I think the justices will do the right thing. Uh, 
because religious exemptions are such a time-honored tradition in our country, uh, this is an important opportunity for the court to end this fight once and for all. And I, th- I think they, I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll do so. What is the motive behind uh, New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania and California and the other states that are doing this? I mean, I, I know uh, Cecile Richards, uh, I guess the former president of Planned Parenthood, said one of her goals was to get Catholic organizations to have to comply with uh, distribution of uh, contraception and abortion uh, um, activity. Um, is, is, is it politics that's fueling this, or is this a sincere belief by these attorney generals that, that this is just the wrong thing to do? I mean, you'd have to ask them. They sure claim that they that there's going to be harm as a result of this religious exemption, but they can't show any any single woman who's going to lose contraceptive coverage as a result of this um, as a result of this religious exemption. They have they they haven't brought a single woman in the lawsuit. Um, so, you know, you'd have to ask them, but there, it's hard to it's hard to say that there's not any political. Um, motives behind it. Yeah, it seems to me that, you know, just uh, an observer of this, that there's something behind it other than their charitable belief that this is going to help women. Well, and if there's anything that we've learned through this litigation, it's that the government doesn't need nuns to get contraceptives to women. This is the most powerful government in the world, and they have ways to provide contraceptives without using the Little Sisters of the Poor. Yeah, you would think this would open up an opportunity for somebody to uh, provide special insurance for that in case you're working for somebody that doesn't uh, provide it. But I guess that's too practical an alternative. <laughs> there, are, there are lots of ways the government could do this without, you know, without using the Little Sisters, and, this, and the states are just refusing to accept that. Yeah. We're, yeah. This is Faith on Trial, and we are talking to Attorney Diana Verm with the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty about the update on the Little Sisters of the Poor litigation. Diane, Diana, how can we as citizens uh, help you or the Little Sisters or to be able to follow the progress of this case? Sure. So um, the one thing you can do is uh, follow, go to our website and follow the updates on the case at uh, beckettfund.org. Org, um, sorry, that's BeckettLaw.org. Um, that's our old, right? <laughs> that's our old. BeckettLaw.org. Yes. Um, so it's helpful to keep updated and be knowledgeable about the case and, and what's going on. The other thing you can do is let your local uh, government officials know that you care about the little sisters of the poor and their religious and the government's ability to exempt uh, religious believers from from burdensome laws. Uh, tell them that you care and uh, let them and let them know that you want them to support the Little Sisters. We have a lot of organizations out there like the Beckett Fund. Uh, there's the Alliance Defending Freedom Pacific Justice, and you can go down the line. We have a lot of uh, people from those different organizations mm-hmm. uh, on our program. And one thing I like to remind people is that uh, the uh, legal services that they provide are all pro bono. They're free. Uh, That's right. And, but yet somebody has to help these organizations uh, meet their financial needs. So if uh, you like to make charitable uh, donations to things that will affect uh, how Christians are able to practice their faith, any of these organizations would be a good place to uh, write a check to. And I, I think Diana would agree with that. Thanks very much, Mike. Certainly. And I, <laughs> and I also just would love to add that long before they were heroes for standing up for religious liberty, 
the Little Sisters of the Poor were heroes for their service to the elderly poor and dying who are truly the most vulnerable among us, especially in the midst of this pandemic. So uh, they covet your prayers um, and your support as well. And that's something I think we sometimes overlook what the Little Sisters of the Poor actually did. They've been around for, what, a couple hundred years, hundred and a half anyway, and uh, they specialize in working with elderly poor and people who um, are uh, in in need of assistance, medical assistance, and physical assistance in their um, elder years, uh, senior years, I guess. And uh, and yet uh, we have people in the government that are literally trying to shut them down over uh, contraception and abortion. That's right. Well said, Mike. Yeah. Diana, thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate your time and effort, and we want to remember the the Beckett Fund. That's BeckettLaw.org if anybody needs to get a hold of the Beckett Fund or want to follow uh, what's going on. They have a great website, by the way, that lists all of these uh, lawsuits that they're involved in and other people are even involved in, uh, and it's a good place to go and get updated on all of the uh, activities that are going on there uh, in our name, really. Diana, we appreciate your joining us today. God bless you and your work, and we'll probably be talking to you again before all this is over. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you. Mike, I love their website because sometimes when you tell me about these cases, I can't even believe that something has happened like that. When I go to their website, it's all there in black and white, the legal documents, the case notes, the amicus briefs, the details. Um, their website is very helpful. Yeah, yeah, and very helpful uh, for me too. Doing research, yeah, exactly. Uh, don't don't want to don't want to mention this too much because uh, all the people that are listening that read my column in the Wanderers are going to wonder now uh, where do you get that information. Now they know. I like oh, them to know. think that yeah, yeah, that I I I know all these people. I don't really. But anyway, we're going to take another three minute break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Madison School District policy on transgenderism. This is interesting. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Are you suffering emotionally or spiritually after an abortion? At Intervisions Healthcare, we believe you deserve healing, forgiveness, and support. We've found that there are no quick fixes, but meeting with others who share the same pain can be a good start. To learn more about this healing ministry, call Intervisions at 515-440-2273, 515-440-2273, and ask for a nurse. Intervisions Healthcare, it's a safe and confidential place to begin the healing you deserve. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We've got low pressure on the way, and that'll increase our rain chances by tomorrow into Saturday. For today, just cloudy. It will be in the low 50s, maybe a rain shower overnight and down to about 45. Looks like mid-50s tomorrow, cloudy, windy, and a good chance of rain. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. There is litigation in uh, the city of Madison, uh, Wisconsin now, over a district policy that allows students to transgender during school hours. And um, the lawsuit has been brought by a law firm by the name of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. And Luke Berg is the deputy counsel for the Institute, and he's the lead attorney in the um, lawsuit over the Madison policy. Uh, Luke, uh, welcome to Faith on Trial this morning. We're happy that you could join us and fill us in on what's going on. And uh, due to the coronavirus, my co-host is remote, but she'll be jo- uh, uh, chiming in by phone. So, Good morning, Luke. Thank you for... Thank you for having me on. Certainly. We're all working remote now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Everybody is. Uh, what What is going on in Madison with the school district there? Yeah, so the district, like you mentioned, uh, passed a policy that allows students of any age uh, to transition their gender at school by picking a new name and pronouns uh, without requiring parental notification or consent. Uh, and the policy then actually prohibits staff from notifying parents that this is happening at school without the student's consent, uh, and in some circumstances even instructs staff to actively deceive parents by using one name at school uh, and another when uh, parents show up to pick up their children. Uh, so obviously we think this is a pretty gross violation of parents' rights, and so we're, we're suing over that. Yeah, uh, who's pushing this? So there's uh, some groups around the country that have been uh, encouraging schools to adopt this as a policy, as though it's a model policy. And I know uh, Madison is not the only school district. Um, and so, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And and so you filed suit, and I read the, uh, the legal papers, and uh, you had, a, uh, I think, an affidavit from a, a psychologist, um, that was attached to that, talking about how bad it was for the students. But uh, uh, where is the the suit right now? That's um, is it is it getting ready for trial? Has there been any 
uh, motions or injunctions or requests for stays or anything? Yeah, so we filed uh, two motions when we filed the lawsuit, a motion for a temporary injunction, which uh, is essentially an order from the court uh, requiring the district to um, notify parents in the meantime while the lawsuit is pending if their children uh, begin to deal with gender dysphoria or if this issue comes up. Uh, And then we also filed the lawsuit anonymously, uh, so the parents' names are not on the complaint. They're all listed as John Doe or Jane Doe. Uh, so we filed a motion to proceed anonymously. Uh, since we filed, we filed it back in February. Since then, we've kind of been going back and forth with the district and the judge about scheduling. And the district is planning to file a motion to dismiss on standing uh, on the argument that parents aren't injured by this policy, so they can't sue on it. And they're challenging our motion to proceed anonymously. And given that... Uh, the coronavirus epidemic has shut down schools. Uh, they asked that uh, those two motions, the motion on standing and the motion on anonymity, be resolved first before we get to the temporary injunction motion, and the court agreed. So we currently have a briefing schedule for those two motions and a hearing in May. Uh, and if the court says our case can go forward, then over the summer the court will schedule a hearing on the temporary injunction motion. Okay, where else is this being done? You indicated that uh, there were other places where school districts were adopting the same type of policy. Uh, I haven't done an extensive survey nationwide. Um, I know the state of New Jersey has adopted this as a policy. The whole Uh, whole state? Statewide? I think the whole state, yep. yep, The whole state. Uh, It may not be quite as explicit as the Madison policy. I don't know if their if their policy has a statement about deceiving parents, um, but I know that the view uh, in New Jersey and among a bunch of other school districts is that students have a right to make this decision and they have the right to make it on their own without parental involvement. And if they don't want their parents to be involved, schools should facilitate that. So this cuts so, out parental involvement in what are major lifestyle decisions that these children have to make. Right, which is totally contrary to the norm, right? Yes. I mean, schools include parents in every single little decision from, uh, you know, whether you you can't take an aspirin at school without parental permission, right? You can't go to prom. You can't go on field trips without a permission slip. Uh, And yet uh, Madison School District has decided that this major life decision, which um, is highly controversial and arguably a health care decision, is one that students should have a right to make totally independently uh, without any parental input. Now, does this extend to taking the children to counselors and physicians to talk about these things? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Um, You know, state law requires informed consent for medical care, and the, the school can't provide that. And that's actually part of our argument is that you know, when a child is dealing with gender dysphoria, that can be a very serious mental health condition with all sorts of other um, comorbidities, as they say, such as depression and, and right. suicide risk and the like. And so uh, professionals who work in this industry recommend that a child who presents with gender dysphoria be evaluated to see if there are other psychological needs uh, and the school can't doesn't have the authority to provide informed consent for that, and that's part of why parents need to be involved so they can 
uh, have their child professionally evaluated to see if, if they need help for other issues unrelated to gender dysphoria. Now, uh, in some states where gen- children suffer from gender dysphoria, counselors are prohibited from really meeting their needs. They have to, I guess, uh, reinforce their, uh, I guess, gender identity as opposed to trying to help get to the bottom of what the problem is. Uh, is that law in uh, Wisconsin? Uh, that's definitely not the state law. Mm-hmm. I know there's some cities in Wisconsin that have passed uh, things like that, but that wouldn't prevent a parent from taking their child somewhere outside the city to be to be treated. And, and I think it's important to note uh, at this point that, that what we're talking about uh, for kids, there are there's a series of studies showing that the vast majority of children who uh, experience gender dysphoria ultimately resolve it in favor of their biological sex. In other words, the dysphoria goes away. Right. Uh, and so the, the treatment often is little more than uh, helping the child understand the source of the dysphoria, where it comes from, and sort of talking through it. And frequently that will be enough to uh, help the child find comfort with their biological sex. Um, and I understand... So I Luke, that you submitted a document from Dr. Levine that's 50 pages long that describes this whole thing for the court, the normality of the gender dysphoria. Yeah, that's right. We have an expert in the case, Dr. Stephen Levine, um, who has been working with people with gender dysphoria for almost four decades. Uh, And he and a number of other uh, mental health professionals around the country and around the world uh, believe that this rush to affirm and transition immediately can actually be harmful. Uh, given these stats that for the vast majority of children, gender dysphoria goes away, the belief is, you know, if you immediately affirm and and transition, this can reinforce uh, a child's belief that they're born in the wrong body and actually cause them to persist in that belief rather than uh, finding comfort with their biological sex, as the vast majority of children do. And so that's that's part of our argument for harm is if a school hides this from parents, uh, and facilitate the transition. It may actually, it may actually cause long-term, long-term harm. Now you're in a pretty liberal area there. What is the likelihood that you may prevail on this, or is that is too early to tell at this point? Well, I mean, I can't. I, I'm not going to comment on how likely we think the judges to rule in our favor, but we think, you know, we think the law is on our side. We think there is a long line of cases clearly establishing that uh, parents are the primary decision makers with respect to their kids. Um, there's a lot of state and federal laws that reflect that background norm. So, you know, parents have a uh, right under state and federal law to have access to all records about their children uh, in school. Uh, medical care typically requires informed consent. There are state laws that require parental consent for legal name changes. Uh, There's a federal law that requires parental consent to change records uh, in the school district. So, obviously, this policy uh, flirts with and runs directly against all of these these laws. So we think we have a pretty compelling case that uh, this is the type of decision that parents need to be involved in. There are Mickey cases or Mickey briefs that are being filed in this, or are there other? Um, not yet. Okay. I mean, we're we're still at the trial court stage. Um, that may come you know, when the case eventually gets gets up on appeal. Okay. There there hasn't been anybody else that's petitioned to intervene or anything? No, not yet. No. Okay. All right. 
Um, I took the liberty of bringing up the uh, Madison School District policy to read it for myself because I was it was incredulous that this would actually occur. And it truly is uh, in their policy, I can assure our listeners, um, it under the guise of keeping our students safe from harm, they have put in this disclosure to families policy. Um, so my question to you is that, so, so they're, they're saying that the staff uh, can be um, reprimanded for not following this policy under the non-discrimination policy of the school. Um, they're telling the teachers that the, all correspondence to the parents need to be under the, the uh, student's uh, biological gender, but during the school hours, they are to affirm the student's name and pronoun in the school setting. Right. How do teachers of faith and those that like to be uh, it, living in reality and truth um, live with this kind of a policy? Right. I think this puts them in an incredibly difficult position. Uh, I mean, for now, this is the policy, and if they they violate it, uh, even in good conscience, and I think that would that would be right under the law. Obviously, that's what our lawsuit is is arguing. But for now, the policy is in place, and so. Uh, yeah, they they would risk uh, being found in violation of the non-discrimination policy and uh, disciplined or even fired if they didn't follow it. Now, we hope that our case will, uh, you know, change the policy. And uh, that's why we sought a temporary injunction so that, you know, while the case pens, uh, we can have a court order saying uh, if this happens uh, during while the case is pending, uh, school, you need to notify parents and you need to involve parents so that, uh, you know, both uh, teachers and parents and children will not be put in that situation. What is the reaction from the community, uh, n- newspapers and other other places there? Uh, you know, as you'd expect, it's mixed. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear about this policy, are incensed and surprised. They think, you know, this is not what we want our schools to be doing, and, and schools have no right to hide this information from parents. Uh, that's been... Uh, the major reaction we've got, but there are others who think that this policy is necessary to protect uh, transgender students. So obviously there are very, very mixed views about it. Uh, but I would say um, the, the majority of the reactions we've heard have been uh, on our side. Uh, Luke, we're running out of time. We have to let it go at this point. But uh, real quick, uh, you have a website you can give us. Uh, yes, uh, will-law.org. Okay, and so if anybody needs to uh, to follow this, they can they can go to that site, and uh, if they yep. have any information for you, obviously they can go to that site. Luke Burke, yeah, absolutely, and Deputy Counsel for the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And this is Deacon Mike Mano on Iowa Catholic Radio, Faith on Trial. We'll be back in three minutes. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des DesMoines-DentalAssociates.com. Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com Blackbird Investments. Doing what is challenging because it's right. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial, provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing up for their faith. All right, this is a segment that I warn people you might want to have a bottle of antacids with you to listen to. Arthur Shepper is the Director of Communications at Mass Resistance. He's coming to us from Los Angeles. And um, Arthur, um, Drag Queen Story Hour, what in the heck is going on? I know, exactly. Just the fact that those four words exist in a phrase is just disturbing in itself. Yet what we have here is a, is a regressive, humanistic, um, LGBT, even satanic agenda. Satanic is a good it, word. <laughs> it is, and, it, and it's totally appropriate. This is not, um, it's not exaggeration. Many of the drag queens that our organization has exposed have massive open connections with the occult, um, and the whole, and occult practices are, are, are heavily promotional towards um, homosexuality and transgenderism. We are seeing um, this perverse agenda forcing its way into public libraries and even into private establishments. There are, quote-unquote, churches that are allowing drag queens to read to kids. These are sexually explicit adult entertainers now trying to normalize transgenderism, homosexuality, and the whole other spate of, of paraphilias towards children, all in the name of diversity, tolerance, accept- acceptance, etc. Of course, 
the whole agenda is not about tolerance. It's about tyranny. It's not about acceptance. It's about dominance. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, uh, and uh, they're pushing. The, it's just they're pushing this perversion. Um, they started in 2015 in San Francisco. They've now kind of set up a beachhead in New York City, uh, and then they've tried to infiltrate in red and blue states, city, rural and uh, large cities. But mass resistance has been punching back since 2018. We had our first notable victory in Atlanta, Georgia. We we raised a lot of fuss about. They wanted to do this at the uh, Ponce de Leon Library. Atlanta, Georgia, many may not realize, is actually quite a liberal city in a conservative state. It's one of the most pro-gay municipalities in the South. Uh, many, many might be shocked to hear that, and yet we were successful at stopping Drag Queen Story Hour there. I we think there, was, there with, was one in Wisconsin. Is it Hudson, Wisconsin, that was just so, shut down? Oh, we didn't shut it. We didn't just shut it down. We stopped them before they started. Our team in Wisconsin enacted, um, forced a, a new set of library policies, which would ensure that Drag Queen Story Hour never came to the library in the first place. Now, Mike, uh, we, had sim- we had similar successes in Leander, Texas, where the city adopted a policy that only city-approved events would happen in the library in the first place. We got the librarian fired as well. Uh, and uh, we're, we're just going full board. To, we're not just trying to hold on to what territory we have. We have. We're taking it back. Okay. And my That's co-host Gina Knoll is the mother of a couple of daughters uh, who's joining us by phone because of our isolation here. Uh, I imagine Gina, this makes you feel good, one way or the other. You know, I, they're closing it down, or you're irritated because they were doing it in the first place. Well, exactly. And as a mother, I um, doing my research for this story. Um, Arthur, we, uh, we were astonished at the work that mass resistance has been doing. I, first of all, you're everywhere, I, and this, and this uh, policy is everywhere, which made me, I couldn't find anywhere that I identified a central organization that is pushing this effort or promoting this effort. Is there a central organization, or are these just, hey, that sounds like a good idea, let's do that in our city? Yes. Well, there's dragqueenstoryhour.org. There's the website. But this is the most, it is so shocking and disgusting. The American Library Association, it's a private institution, but that gets a lot of public funding based in Chicago. They are explicitly pushing this Drag Queen Story Hour agenda. So they're having the libraries reach out to their communities looking for people, uh, drag queens who might participate in this. You bet. That's exactly what's happening, which is why we are also working with every chapter we have, urging them to pressure their library boards and city councils to stop donating or stop paying dues to the American Library Association. They are not a government agency. They are not a final certification institution to legitimize libraries. They are an unnecessary lobbying group, which is pushing these perverse agendas. Librarians have turned into the latest uh, third rail of social justice warriors in our, in our communities, in many cases, sadly. They need to be exposed. They need to be confronted, opposed. And what we're trying to do now in some cities, like in Chula Vista, California, is we're trying to get them fired. I mean, librarians, any, any adult who thinks it's okay for sexually explicit adult entertainers to be around children should not be around children either, not just the drag queens, but these librarians. They need to be put to shame and put out of a, and, and put out of the library. And some of so those uh, performers yeah. uh, have uh, 
histories of criminal activity involving children. Oh, brother, thank you for bringing that up. Yes, mass resistance, we discovered at the Houston Library, Freed Montrose specifically, not one, but two of the drag queens were registered sex offenders. The first one exposed, Alberto Garza, um, had sexually assaulted an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. And and it was fully, you know, it was still fully available to anybody doing a background check. The second one, uh, well, Arthur, we're not going to be one. we're not going to have time to get into all of them here because we're running okay. out of time. But I do want to give you an opportunity to uh, give us your contact information. Oh, of course. To anybody listening, we want to help you fight the pro family fight and stop this LGBT agenda. You can contact our main office in Massachusetts. Our phone number is seven eight one eight nine zero six zero zero one seven eight one eight nine zero six zero zero one. Our website is www.massresistance.org. My email address, you can email as well, Arthur, A-R-T-H-U-R, at massresistance.org. Please reach out to us. We will help you win this fight and make the difference. Arthur, thank you very much for joining us today. And that's uh, that's about all the time we have right now. I do want to end with our, our prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, which we need right now, as you can hear. Thank you. Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We will see you next Thursday when we will be talking about the Planned Parenthood body parts scandal. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.